This is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I am Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen, joined as always with my co-host, Robert E. G. Black. Hello. And our special guest for this week, Alexander Westwood. Hiya. And so, today we're looking at minutes 38 and 39 of About Time. Minute 38 continues the conversation between Joanna and Mary and Tim as they first meet Tim, and yet Tim meets Joanna and Mary for the second time. And, yeah, so the the opening line is, bye. And then Tim says, bye. And, and so I'm going to be quite lonely. <laughs> so Mary says, right. Well, I think we should probably say no, for which Joanna seems to say. <laughs> this surprises me how how like keen Joanna is on Tim. Like it, it is quite odd, even for her character, really. Yeah, that's that, that's what I. Yes, yes, I I think so. I mean, I can't talk about her character per se, as you know, I've only seen a certain um, few minutes. But even in those few minutes, the, the sort of the way the character was established, um, like I said last episode. Seems almost overbearing. Um, yeah, it, it's like she's coming on to him a bit too fast, and not even in a oh, you seem nice kind of friendly way. I mean, he, she's actively promoting him. You know, say oh, look, look yeah. smile. You know, that's a ten out of ten. Colgate should hire you. I mean, the the whole her, her enthusiasm for this bloke who is you know to, to quote Mary a token stranger just seems out of the blue. Yeah. Um. The only reason I can think is we see her earlier, like in the previous minute, and how she seems, well, you know, in a, as in one of the previous scenes we see her, not in, it, yeah, my words are stuck. We see her earlier on in the film, and she, it seems to be implied that she ends up with a lot of kind of jerky guys. Yeah. So. She endorsed them at the site too. Does she go, oh, this one's got nice hair. Oh, well, look, you know. Yeah. Trimmed fingernails. Did she go around picking something out for each of them, or <laughs> it's very confusing. <laughs> well, it's, all, it's also a thing. Uh, this isn't this minute. I think it's the next one where she hugs Rupert when he walks up. She she might know him longer, but like he only just became Mary's you know boyfriend said last within week. the within yeah. those last five days. Yeah, the yeah. party was after the night they originally first met. <laughs> And yet yeah. she's hugging the boyfriend of her friend already. She gets very friendly very quickly if she likes you. Mm. Sort of well, like a if she, the fact that she, yeah, the fact that she gets very friendly very quickly, and then the fact that she's described as like a prostitute yeah. is probably yeah. Aha, so that's right. Okay, because that's I, where I, the brothel reference comes in later uh-huh. on. Maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, I, that random minute I heard prostitute. You said sex scene, and I heard strawberry moose. So I thought okay. Bit <laughs> It's 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 awkward, but it's not like that. <laughs> so Joanna says, "Oh no, yes, but on the other hand, he's got a quite nice smile and sort of, you know, fun hair." <laughs> yeah, um, it's just yeah. I mean, this is this is like I don't get like. There's a lot of comments on Tim's. It's not even the hair color; it's his hair style that's commented on quite a lot. Uh huh. And I don't get what the problem is. No. Yeah. 
like at the start of the film, like he says to his dad, oh, he might use time travel to get a slightly better haircut. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Is it a ginger thing? Is this just Richard Curtis bullying ginger? Uh, you know. I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> but, yeah, he kind of... I don't know, considering how much he supposedly hates his haircut, it doesn't really change over the course of the nine years in which the film is set. No, it stays mostly pretty much the same. And and thus it's kind of remarkable that he somehow seems to age nine years when they don't seem to change anything at all. <laughs> and yet, you you know, they've sort of emotionally matured that it's fine that they haven't physically so much. I don't know. It's interesting. And I'm sure we'll discuss that when we actually go that far in the future. We yeah. haven't. We've only done, like, what, a couple of months? I don't know. Is Tim still 21 at this point? Um, I don't know. Well, it's summer again, so he might be about to be 22. Okay. Or just turned 22. Yeah, we never see any birthdays. No. And so, yeah, Mary says, all right, but you have to promise me that you're not one of the following things. One, a lunatic, which Joanna says, oh, yeah. Tim says, no. (laughs) Two, a fringe fetishist, apparently (laughs) is a line that Rachel McAdams really struggled to say. (laughs) Oh, wow, that is... Sorry, I've just tried mouthing it. Mouthing it a lot. Wait. Fringe fetishist. Oh, wow, I mean, fair enough to her. I mean, it's a bit like Irish wristwatch. Fringe fetishist. Fringe. I, th- I think that's the title for this episode. Fringe fetishist. Fringe fetishist. Fr- no, no, I can't say it. <laughs> I was going to say it three times, and I can't. Um, so, yeah, we, we understand why that is definitely a, a hard phrase to say. Um, yeah, it's... It's weird. Um, and then Tim says, I'm just Kate, and Kate Moss's number one male fan. Which they both seem surprised by, considering he's a man in the Kate Moss gallery. Well, and Joanna seems even more impressed than Mary does, too. Yeah. It's like, Mary's like, really? And she's, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so odd, because, like, he's at a Kate Moss gallery. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course he's a fan of Kate Moss. And, like, a lot of fans of things believe that they are the number one fan of said yeah. thing. So I don't get why she's so surprised. Because it's not like he went for Kit Kat, because he's staying while Kit Kat's going. Right. Yeah, he's stuck around to be there longer. Yeah, it's so weird. So Tim says, yeah. And Maris, do you agree that the magic of her lies in her history? That the informality of her early shots compared to this stuff, so that you always know that Despite the high fashion, she's still just that cheeky, normal, naked girl on the beach. And, yeah, I mean, this this line comes back later on in what is debatably a very stalkery scene. Would you, would you count that as stalkery or not, Robert? Uh, like, yes, that's, that's, he's still cornering her by stealing her, her information. So definitely. Yeah. So, so Alex, in terms of the morals of time travel, because obviously <laughs> with Doctor Who, you're, you know, and you're, you're massive fandom of that. Mm. You're, you've obviously got the interest in time travel. I have. And you, yeah. you've done a time travel film, haven't you? So again, sorry. Uh, well, yes, actually. Yeah, I did very recently. Yes. Um, crikey. Uh, that was called Time Waste. That was, that was good fun. And it was, it was good fun to shoot all around. The, 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 the chap I was working with on it was, um, was absolutely splendid. Um, I mean, the whole crew, in fact, they were lovely. Uh, and the time machine they built was um, absolutely superbly detailed. It really was a thing of beauty. Um, and the 
that the the time waste doesn't suppose well doesn't go into the morals or the you know the the right thing to do perhaps with time travel if there is such a thing um but it does explore the consequences uh, which you know you said that this film does towards the end although I haven't seen it so I uh, I don't know what said consequences are but uh, yes I am very much a, a fan of time travel so where where will the listeners be able where and when will the listeners be able to find time wasters or is that all unknown That is a very good question uh thanks to uh, our pal Corona that is um that at the moment is completely unknown. Um, I'm not sure that they can edit it at the moment. Actually, that's a good thought. I might, uh, I may check in with them and see uh, see how it's going. Well, this is obviously like what seven, eight weeks before the listeners will hear this. So, who knows what life will be like at this point? True. If we know anything, I'll try and remember to link it when we post all of this. And Alex, you can always share it in the cupboard Facebook group. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to join the covered Facebook group, I think there's currently uh, two people in there. Oh, and six, uh, six people in the covered. Sweet. Yeah, it's it's like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, you, you see, you, you saying that my go-to thought is episode one of Inside Number Nine, <laughs> uh, which probably isn't the, uh, so, yeah. Where's my words? Um, well, so long as it's not called in the closet, you've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. It's a good point. It's it's mostly a reference to the fact that the place where Tim mostly goes to go back in time is inside a cupboard, um, <laughs> which I which makes the time travel so awkward and thus normal. Like I've said several times, this is the most realistic film about time travel that I've seen. So yeah, I mean, the reason I was asking about the morals is basically later on in the film. This isn't much of a spoiler. It's literally like we're probably discussing it with our next guests like next week. Yeah. Mary, well, Tim goes back in time to the party to meet Mary again, which will be his third time meeting her and her first time meeting him again. And he basically relays those exact words to her in order to win her. Like, that is, you know, debatably very stalkery. Yes, I, I do sort I agree with what you're saying for sure. I mean, the, the the sort of the specifications of it all were, uh, were were very funny. It was very amusing. So, I mean, if you take it with the, you know, if you go the comedy route and you yeah. sort of go, oh yeah, yeah, this chap trying to get all the details, you know, so he can win back the the love of his life from this Rupert Bear chap. Um, <laughs> you know, I think if you take it that way, it's, uh, it's it's very amusing. I mean, that's how I took it first. It wasn't until yeah. you pointed out the implications of it. That I'm surprised he didn't go. Okay, and what would the coordinates for that be? I mean, well, actually, <laughs> he bloody well did with you know asking for the po- well, not asking yes, for the address. Yeah, yeah. The po- we'll we'll the definitely point. go more into that. I think is is that later this episode or tomorrow or, or Friday? Later or this episode, I think. But yeah, I mean, we'll definitely go more into that when we get to that. But it's yeah, it's more. I think audiences would be a lot less comfortable with that if from the first meeting of Tim and Mary before he completely messed that up. If from the first meeting they hadn't clicked. Right. Like, if she, you know, there wasn't any chemistry between them on the first meeting and he kept going back, like he does with Margot Robbie in, at the start of the film. Like, yeah, if there, if there wasn't all of that first. Yeah, we, um, we can forgive him because they got on. Yeah. Annie does have the line, all the time travel in the world can't make someone love you. Like, you know, that, that expresses that if she falls in love with him, it's because she loved him not because of the time travel. of course that's from his narration where he's excusing all of his behavior so yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> tim 
Tim's um, evil is what is really what we're getting to. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way the way we're <laughs> painting, but at the same time, I very much think it depends on the audience watching because yeah. attitudes change. So what oh, yeah. we could have accepted, um, let me think, what would be particularly divisive nowadays? Um, I mean, some people are saying Friends. I've never seen an episode of Friends in my life. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Some people are saying that Friends is apparently sex. Oh, okay. I I know. Uh, there's a film um, called Lesbian Vampire Killers. I have seen that film, yes. It is absolutely appalling, but it it's the... It's the acceptance of how bad it is that makes. Oh yeah. The, the fact that they run with how bad it is. And it, yeah, Robert, why didn't I pick that for the room minute last, last week? I don't like know. I watched that pretty recently. That's a. I assume you've seen it. Have you? It seems like a sort of bad film you'd have watched. It sounds like something I've watched. At some James point. Corden. It's it's yeah. almost Z list. Yeah. Wait, it's recent. I haven't seen it. Then. No, 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 no. It's uh, 2009 or 2000. Yeah, it was. I think it was just after they'd done Gavin and Stacey. And debatably, a lot of people have said that was around the point where James Corden stopped working with Matthew Horn. Like, that just... Like, both of the members of cast have, like, said that it was a terrible film to have worked on. Paul McGann's in it for some reason. Yes, he played the vicar. Um, and there were, there were... Yes, it was... I mean, I think the film at the time was panned as it, as it, as it was. Um, you know, it, it managed to mock everyone and, and go all out with with various types of jokes and, and forms of comedy. And it, it's, it's a, it's an appalling film, but it got a good reputation from what I remember when I was, I mean, I obviously wasn't watching it in, in 2009 or 2010 being, you know, only nine or 10. Uh, it wasn't until a few sort of years later, I stumbled across it free on iTunes as some sort of, um, days of Christmas type, you know, gift from iTunes back when iTunes actually used to give out free things. And I, I ended up watching it. I think I must have been about, 13, 14, and I found it hilarious. I mean, you, but then again, you, you do at that age. And I watched it back sort of uh, about, oh, I don't know, November last year. And I sat there and I thought, okay, I'm starting to lose interest, but I maintain that the comedy in it is very funny, but it would be considered, I mean, I think it probably, if someone was to watch it today, it, it, it would be considered offensive. Uh, I saw it for the first time like a few months ago actually and yeah i i got the idea that yeah it would be considered offensive but i felt like it was almost a spoof of sex comedies it was like like you look you look at like the the straight to dvd american pies yeah a lot of those sorts of things and it was spoofing that like you know those like those awful straight to dvd american pie films those are bad and sexist and failing on so many layers whereas this knew it was and thus was a little bit better mm. well i mean even just looking at it on imdb it's got five five point one out of ten i mean that's not appalling i mean i'm gonna try and find what i gave it um i don't know whether it's a, a matter of it being marketed at the wrong people or you know i mean it's because it's not it's not even your typical horror film in, in, you know, in the sense of Shaun of the Dead does, does comedies about killing a, 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 you know, supernatural force of nature. Um, and the, 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 I, I gave it three and a half stars, apparently, according to my letterbox. Out, and I out of what? Find the That's out of five. Out of five. Okay. Well, yeah. I, mean, I must have been in a good mood. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those films that you don't, that, that you probably shouldn't take seriously. 
it's a bit like Venom. Um, it's the, the film itself is is really bad. But, um, I mean, even even with Tom Hardy in it, it's appalling. Uh, although Riz Ahmed does a smashing job, but the the film itself, if you just sit there and take it as a popcorn type thing, you know, just some, something to occupy the minds, not as even you know as not as in as in eh, words. Sorry, you can probably cut that bit. Um, <laughs> not as in my brain, my tongue's not working, my mouth isn't working at all. The, the film itself, Venom, is is a bit of cheap popcorn entertainment. It's just there for you to watch it. Uh, you take your mind off everything just for an hour mm. or so and go, <laughs> yeah, that's but oh, but, you know, there's a comedy beat there. Oh, very oh, bit of action. Oh, there's a there's a fight, and it, it, it sort of has a bit of everything for everyone. I mean, it even throws in a bit of romance in there with the um, yeah. I think lead. I haven't seen Venom, but I'm imagine because I'm not really a that sort of, a fan of those sorts of films, although I know I should, as a film person, watch them eventually. I'm getting the idea from that that it's kind of similar to the enjoyment I get of films like Face Off. Like, you don't take yeah. them seriously, but they're fun, quite camp, and you can just enjoy them for what they are if you don't think about the fact that Nick Cage and John Travolta have completely different body shapes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to... to, to I, I completely distracted you from what your original point was about lesbian vampire killers, I think. What, know, what was the comparison? You did, and I can't remember it at all. <laughs> oh, there was something about... Well, on some level, you have to accept the movie for what it's trying to be, not what you yes, want it to yes, be. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yes. Um, for, for, for a modern-day audience, um, looking at... Um, Nick, not Neil, so I don't know why I almost called him Neil, uh, but looking at Tim's sort of borderline stalkery nature i mean if he if he had a different haircut or or you know was was painted in a different way or even dare i say portrayed by a different actor than donald gleason if it was perhaps anyone you might think why well and as as you said luke it helps that we know that they did okay the first time it just got erased mm. if they hadn't and he kept just coming back to her over and over until eventually he found the way to make her like him it's not as good well, then, then it would have been like what we discussed, I think, either on this or on, when I was on Cock and Bull or something, I can't remember. Where, on one of the podcasts we did at some point, I remember saying about, you know, the, the rom-com values. Yeah. And how so often it is, if the girl says no, ask Keep her again until right. she says yes. Whereas with this, the girl said yes instantly. The girl said yes, she just doesn't know it. Yeah. yeah. Which, which makes it better. Like, it's it's got better values than most rom-coms. Yeah. And it's got a lovely message at the end of the film as well, which I won't talk too much about, even though Richard Curtis discusses it in every single press interview. About <laughs> He's like, oh, it's got this lovely bit at the end. Don't talk about the end. Like, surely, you've, you've written and directed films since, like, the 80s, or well, early 90s, I think, and made TV shows. Like, what, why in press interviews talk about the ending? <laughs> yes, it would be a bit like rocking up to the Iron Man premiere in 2008 and go, well, we've planned Avengers Endgame and Iron Man's going to die, so uh, enjoy the films. <laughs> hmm. Or, yeah, like, you know, t- turning up to The Sixth Sense and being like, this is a great film because it turns out that Bruce Willis is a ghost the whole time. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah, um, I mean, I can't say that I've, you know, sourced any of Richard Curtis's uh, press, you know, talks about the film. So I, I'm very lucky in that I haven't come across the ending, and now I know he talks about it, I shall be sure to avoid. I mean, he doesn't talk in detail about it, but there is a certain message that sort of comes 
out of the whole thing. Okay. Robert, do you understand what I'm talking yes. about? Am I being yes. too vague? Yeah. No, it's Which good. he said quite a lot about that's what the film's about, even though that only really comes out at the end and he talks about how great the ending is. And... Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know where you can find the film, Alex, actually. It was on Netflix until when we started the show. It's on now. Would you believe show. I saw it last night? I saw it last night. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm sure that's the film Luke likes. Hmm. You should, you should definitely give it a whirl and let us know as soon as you do as to what you think about it. I absolutely um, will do. What, what we've noticed is a common thing. So it's good that in watching these minutes, you don't recognize it because you notice it's a common thing. A lot of people have seen the film, then completely forgotten they've seen the film and only appreciated it the second time. Mm. So, like, we had Piotr Skopiak on a couple of weeks ago, and he told me for ages he'd not seen the film and he's going to give it a watch. And then he decided to watch the entire film before coming on the show, and he texted me, like, partway into it, saying, oh, I remember this film. And he was like, yeah. He was like, I don't know why I forgot it, it's really good. And then he said, oh, you probably just like it because the lead's a ginger. <laughs> and there was a whole exchange there, but... Yeah, so, I mean, this didn't really click for me until the second time, I don't think. Like, I liked it the first time, but it made an impression the second time. So mm. I don't know. How can I persuade people to watch this film twice? You watched it two days in a row when you started, right, Robert? So, like, you... Maybe that's why it worked. Well, one of those was really slowly as I was cutting it into pieces. But, yeah. But I mean, like, when you when you started... Oh, when, when I first saw it, first it yeah. Because you went, like, the next day, didn't you? Uh, I don't know if it was the next day, but it was pretty soon after opening day because I wanted to write about it again in my blog. And maybe the fact that you were writing about it meant that you actually remember it. You didn't turn it off and forget right. the entire film. Have we got any final comments on minute 38 before we go straight into 39? I haven't. I Well, I have to just, because I love Kit Kat, I just want to point out when she walks away, she's looking back at them the entire time <laughs> until she's out of sight. Because she's, she's so happy that Tim found who he was looking for. And I think that proves that Kit Kat was looking out for him. Yeah. Like, because when we have at the start, when she tells Charlotte to not let Tim, like, ask her out, <laughs> like, you know, it seems like a jerk move, almost. And then you see that actually, you know, she's, she's looking, she's got his best interests at heart. I thought she's matured, but. Yeah. I don't really think Kit Kat matures much throughout the film. No. Until... Not until later. Later, yeah. So yeah, when we go sort of straight into minute 39... Oh, actually, I don't think I actually... I said what the final line was of 38, and it leads into 39, so I'll just say the whole thing. Couldn't have put it better myself. That's absolutely it. I agree with that profoundly. <laughs> and then we we cut to them at the cafe. Before the cafe, Joanna makes some... Really, really awesome sound. She is so impressed by him saying that. I'm like, ah, Joanna, stop it. Maybe Tim and Joanna is the true pairing <laughs> that we haven't like. I don't think about. it'd end well, but he could have given it a try. <laughs> I, I wish we saw more of Joanna's relationships. Like, I think that's the great thing about this film is every character has so much depth that you can imagine these other things happening outside of the film. And and often they're so bizarre that you want to. Yeah. So when we're at the table, we can see, and this isn't because I'm reading off your notes, it's actually off my own notes for once, <laughs> about the pink drink that yeah. Joanna has. She insisted that it was pink, so it's actually strawberry yogurt and out-of-date milk. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have any strawberry milkshake, so Ooh, yeah. they rushed that together. But I like the whole thing with them in the cafe because that's like 
that feels sort of so normal of an outing, you know, for them to, I don't know, like, I, d- I don't know how common it is. I assume it's still pretty common, you know, in the, in the States when you've got traveling exhibits and stuff that you, you have just, you know, the exhibitions cafe. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's just, it reminds me of so many conventions and exhibits I've been to in the past and, and the cafe. In fact, weirdly, I can't believe I, I've still got like a, a vivid memory of going to the Doctor Who experience on tour in London and the cafe there. And I yeah. don't know why I remember that. Because that was, yeah. when was that? That would have been 2011, I think. Because I think, I might have been 12, might have been, might have been 12. I think, I think it was at 2011. At least when I went, it might have been there for a while. Because I remember because... the Silurian costumes, because that was one of the first things you saw, and they were the updated ones. But that mm. would have had to have been post 2011, because well, Silurian's um... 2010, isn't it? Oh crikey! Oh, actually, yeah, you <laughs> might be right. Yeah, you might be right about that, because yes, Hungry I think there was there was, the... was 2010. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there was there was the trailer for series six when I was there, so it must have been early 2011, at least when I went. Uh, probably around my birthday, so that would have been around March. Um, no, no, no listener really cares about this, but I'm surprised that I vividly remember that because I would have been seven. <laughs> so, yeah, but I do remember it. I had a kiddie zoom camera and I lost it while I was there. Wow, and it was very sad. <laughs> and then a man offered me a jelly baby, and it was awesome. <laughs> and then straight after, my mum was like, "You really shouldn't just take sweets off strangers." <laughs> It's like it's a man dressed as Tom Baker offering me a jelly baby. What else am I going to say? But yeah, anyway, my main point is that I just vividly remember the cafe there. And yeah, that that was it. That was a random tangent for the cafe. And I think that's, yeah, that's more of a thing with traveling exhibits than like, I mean, when you take to when the Doctor Experience actually had its place in Cardiff, there wasn't like a cafe there, was there? I think there was. There was one just by the gift shop. In the, in the centre, in the, was it, wasn't Excel, was it? I can't, I can't remember the name of the place, the, the actual building, but I think there was one next to the shop. Well, in, in, in Cardiff, it was, was it, well, did the building actually have a name? Because I just thought the building was the experience. The, 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 the building, permanently the building in London had a name. Uh, oh, in London, in Cardiff. Company, yeah. uh, I don't think there was. I think that, the building in Cardiff, you think, is the Millennium Centre, I'm not sure. No, it's just across the Millennium Centre, because Millennium Centre's the one for torture. Ah, okay, that's right. Yeah, get my wires crossed then. I think the only cafe I remember is going to Eddie's Diner, which was, like, just short of a mile away, and was the cafe from um, Possible Astronaut. Got ya. Which is also shut. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that was a completely pointless tangent. But possibly not... <laughs> And I think it's at least the second time I've mentioned the Doctor Who experience on this show, right, Robert? Yeah, it was your original uh, Friday conversation thing. Yeah, my original, if I could go back in time to any point in my life, was to go to the Doctor Who experience again. Because it's so sad that I got shut. Because it's, well, yeah. If, if, if whoever's responsible for closing the Doctor Who experience is listening, then please email in and guest on the show. <laughs> so I can yell at you for three episodes in a row. <laughs> Right. Anyway, let's go back into. So he agrees with it profoundly. Joanna is. It's cafe, that's what we were talking about. Cafes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, do you think it. Because Vanessa Kirby insisted on having a pink milkshake. Mm-hmm. 
do you think that says anything about her character? That she likes colours beginning what? with P? Well, also that she has a, you know, what looks like a milkshake when they're clearly drinking more of like adult beverage. Not, not alcohol, but they have like coffee or tea with their sandwiches yeah. and she's drinking something pink. Like she's the child of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I mean, I know I am technically still a child, but I will always at a cafe go for milkshake over tea or coffee. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's, there's few better things. Anyway, um, yeah, so they've got like, is it sandwich or muffin or I can't see it's from like the sandwiches. shot I've got. I think it's both actually. I think she might have a muffin or something yeah. as well. Um, I don't think that's a level of deep analysis we need to take. But once again, actually, we haven't looked for a couple of weeks at the colours of the clothes that the characters are wearing and how that well, it's matches. They, these last two weeks, they've been in this gallery, which is all white walls. No one's going to blend into that. Yeah, that's a good point. But even like Tim and Mary, their colour schemes match. Yeah. Which I think's a, a nice detail, which I'm intrigued to find whether it's intentional or not. Um, so yeah, they're in the gallery, they're having their drinks, and Tim says milk, which Mary follows with, oh, yes. Sugar? No. Boyfriend? <laughs> I mean, that is just presumptuous. I mean, the first, this is what I mean. The, the character is, is almost cheeky, yet he's awkward, and the, the, the way, the awkwardness balances it out somehow. <laughs> it does. It really does. And it's, it's very amusing. Again, it's following on from the, um, you know, the way he talks to her with the whole Mary thing. And I, I think that's, um, you know, oh yeah, my mother's name's Mary. I mean, as if that was, that's, again, cheeky. And I, I like that. Um, and I think here, oh, coffee, sugar. Yeah. No boyfriend. <laughs> it's just the, the matter of fact way about speaking. Um, you know, I think I think that is very amusing. I, I do think that's very amusing. And once again, it seems to work. Well, yeah, but she's offended that he's asked. a surprise. <laughs> yeah, but and yet she is still offended that he asked, which is good. Like she, she, you know, her response. Yes, like like as if as if he didn't have a chance, <laughs> or as if she's having to remind herself. Like, yeah. Well, the boyfriend's new. Mm, oh, that's true. Days. Yeah, of course. And thank goodness we, he's such a horrible person. <laughs> well, sorry, he's a nice person, but thanks goodness he's so unlikable when we right. see him later on. Because if he was, yeah, when likeable, he first shows up, I'm like, been... "This is this is Tim's next victim. He's going to ruin his his week." And then he keeps talking. I'm like, "Nah, f- him. Ah, damn it! They got bleeping again." <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie, bleeping's becoming quite fun. <laughs> I don't know why it's fun. But I quite like doing the bleeping. When um, when I recorded my uh, drunk episodes of North by Northwest, I would swear and then realize I have to bleep it, and then I'd swear realizing I have to bleep it, and so I'd always have to bleep twice in a row. Oh, so you're so so almost like um, what's her name in Love Actually when she first meets the Prime Minister? <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, right. Yeah, so, so Tim's, this, this exchange is brilliant, where he's like, no, no, you don't have a boyfriend. Do I not look like I'd have a boyfriend? Do I look like I'd never ha- get a boyfriend? <laughs> like, um, and I've noticed reading your notes, Robert, that you have a comment before I go further on. What, the continuity one, or the? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> just, You're gonna call on that later on? Yeah, well, continuity in yeah, a time yeah. travel movie is iffy anyway, but in this scene, yeah, Joanna was drinking her, apparently, yogurt. And then they, when they cut to this shot, she's not. Her straws are cut down. And she's, I don't uh, deem the continuity. I hadn't even noticed that. 
Well, because I noticed she had two straws, so I was paying attention because I used to do drink everything with two straws. Yeah, so I, I think that's like an extra, an extra detail. Is she can have both straws, or is that she like offered Mary a a no, she taste had both in her mouth. First, yeah. Huh. So that's just that's weird, right? It's it's or is that thing? It's sort of a personality thing. It's something I did when I was a kid. I would put two straws in my drink all the time, or two straws in a shake. I don't know why. But it's like a childish... I think of it as a childish thing. To shake it up, I guess? <laughs> I don't know. With it kind of shakes, it makes it harder out. to drink. Uh, true. I, I don't know. I was just guessing. Uh, I suppose you could say I was clutching at straws. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it kind of balances out, keeping the, the, the childhood traits with the prostitute personality. Yeah. She's immature, but she's definitely an adult. She's got her own apartment. She hooks up with men. And she's dressed in all black. <laughs> like, yeah, she thinks she's mature, but she isn't almost. She says, no, that's the rudest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, which once again, as, as you say, like, yeah, we, you instantly, like, she instantly jumps to not liking Tim at that point. Like, well, it's because yeah. the second yeah, she... question Mary asked her, she says, do I look like I'd never get a boyfriend? And so Joanna switches to now. Like I was saying last time, it's like she's in the moment. Mm, yes. Mary's yes. upset. Joanna has to go with it. Um, and he says, no, no, I, I didn't mean it like that. I just didn't expect. Is it quite a new boyfriend? And she says, yes, there he is. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where we meet Rupert. Yeah. And well, Joanna's, says, there he is. Joanna's great in that moment, too, because... When Mary says there he is, she's so happy and has this big grin on her mouth. And Joanna reaches over and like points at her smile and almost touches it. I'm like, what is she doing? Like she's excited that Mary has a boyfriend. Mm. Yeah. Do you think he's she's sort of had a thing for Rupert? Oh, like, Joanna. Probably. What I mean, I'm so, she she took to she took to Tim the first time. I I must wonder if she did the same thing to Rupert. She went up to him and he went, oh, what a lovely scar. Mm-hmm. She's, she's sort of like, um, no, I, I said last episode, like a dog, but it's sort of, again, like a trusting animal that will sort of go to anyone, wag its tail and go, oh, yes, I like you. Oh, until yeah. you hurt my owner. I don't like you now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think that sort of works. And I think, yeah. Well, the thing for me as well is maybe, at least in terms of her relationship with Rupert, since it was at the party in her house... Maybe she knew Rupert and set them up. Right. And she's kind of happy about that. Mm. And she's she's sort of constantly trying to remind them that she's to credit for it. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know if that would be like, I don't think I've successfully set anyone up at all. Also not including myself. So there we go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'd imagine if I had set someone up, that you would kind of want to remind them whenever they're happy, or, or you'd want you'd want to, whether you do or don't, that, you know, I did this. As long as they're yeah. happy. If it doesn't yeah, work out, happy. you're like, I'm not going to talk At about the breakup, it's, mm, I told you so, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we meet Rupert, and as I said, he's, like, he's so hateable, he's so fake. Yes, I thought that, I'm so glad you said that, that was the first thing that came to mind. When he strolled over, I thought, oh, he's one of those. Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen? Oh, hey, what's it called? The um, the movie that's is it? This is the end. 
Um, I recognise the title. That's the movie. Where Jonah Hill is in it, and he plays himself. Yeah. And he's sort of like that. He's like so fake nice Mm -hmm. for the whole thing. I think it's. I've only seen it once, but I remember it being quite a good film. Like the idea of all these celebrities playing themselves. So I'm pretty sure Emma Watson had a cameo and was quite memorable in that. But yeah, I mean, I he he sort of reminds me of Jonah Hill in that being so Mm. fake nice the whole time that it becomes an insult that they're being nice to you. Well, it, it's he's also just nice enough that you can almost think maybe it's genuine, but we know him yeah. so briefly that it's like, eh, I don't know. And then he gets unlikable in, I think, I think it's next minute where I immediately was like, yeah, I don't like this guy. Yeah, I think as well, yeah, it's at the, um, at the, the party when we see him, yeah, and he's quite unlikable but once again if tim's the unreliable narrator and maybe he's made then yeah yeah and maybe tim's made him up this way so he doesn't come across as such a nasty guy for for you know know the the kind of guy he's got a scarf and a blazer and he's just a little too friendly and fake and yeah i understand this is rupert yeah incidentally just the kind of guy you'd expect to see in a gallery (laughs) <laughs> he fits right in. There's nothing wrong with people going to the gallery. There's nothing wrong necessarily with people like that. If you are a Rupert, then please email in. Um, <laughs> if you are a Rupert, like as if some guy's going to admit out there, go, oh, that, well, I, I'm fake. Yeah, oh, then I'll email in straight away. I'm, I'm no, not, like, I'm you not know, friendly or fake, but I can rock a scarf. Yeah. Oh, I can rock a scarf. To be fair. <laughs> I haven't even tried to be honest. I don't think. Well, I probably give, can't. Give a scarf a go. <laughs> Maybe I shall. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, we—I've said weird, like different things in terms of getting people, not getting people on. Yeah, so it's getting different guests on. Like I think um, a couple of episodes ago, well, no, it was ages ago. But a couple of episodes ago, in terms of when I was editing, I said the phrase, "If your mother is Winston Churchill, please email in." <laughs> um, which I think, yeah. Did you get many emails? So, or? <laughs> hasn't gone out yet. Who knows? Oh, of course. Yeah. Find out what, next week or week after. It's yeah. It's it's a good few weeks after. That's episode ten, I think. Oh. And that that is the title of the episode. So <laughs> you have to listen to the episode to email in. It's one of my favorite. I I I, ne- I had so many other quotes I was going to use for that episode where I was editing it, and then as soon as that one came up, I was like, okay, well that's definitely it. Yep. Do you remember the context, Robert? Is the question. Well, I know that we were talking about the original description for uh, his mother. It wasn't going to yeah. be. Uh... I forgot the artist. <laughs> so am I. Andy Warhol. Oh, uh, and yeah. Instead of Andy Warhol, it was going to be Winston Churchill. Yeah. So his mother apparently looks like Andy Warhol and Winston Churchill, <laughs> yet looks like neither. And I don't think you get to see her at all in this film in your clips. Andy Warhol um, and Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but just just so you know, who we're talking about his mother's played by Lindsay Duncan. Oh, I love Lindsay Duncan. I think she's oh smashing actress. She is. She's absolutely and she looks I... like she looks nothing like Andy Warhol or Winston Churchill. I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> I don't see the resemblance to either. To be perfectly right. honest with you. Well, you'll look forward to that line as it comes up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the the whole cast in this film is brilliant. Like his parents being Bill Nye and Lindsay Duncan. Like it's just. 
It's such a good cast of a film. It, it and then is. You've got it's your... a stellar cast. It really. And then you've got your cameos from Margot Robbie, Richard E. Grant, Richard Griffiths, Tom Hollander is a regular character actually. Well, Margot Robbie's not really a cameo, is she? I guess. No, it's a small part, but yeah, it wouldn't be a cameo. She's actually still like she's credited on, on the. Uh, I don't know what you call it, the, the thing on like the DVD and on the posters. What do you call that? The credits at the bottom? Just poster credits? Sure. Yeah. Go with Yeah, well, she's, cre- she's credited among the cast on that. Yeah. And that was pre-Wolf of Wall Street, so well, that wasn't just because she was a name. I was going to say, to be fair, some some actors uh, I mean, some actors have it in their contracts. Yeah. They, they could appear for, you know, two minutes and, and they, they still get a... I, I think for that one, it was more they knew Wolf of Wall Street was coming out, and so they put her name on the poster because oh, yeah, that was going to be a big movie. Yeah, I guess even though, yeah, even she before it comes out, yet. if she was, yeah, even before it came out, if they knew she had a a lead role in a Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. Martin Scorsese film, I guess yeah, you'd take your chances and credit her. Actually, I'm going to check on it now whether she's credited before or after Tom Hollander, because that's the. That's the decision. Right. So, credits just after Tom Hollander. So it's Donald Gleeson, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nye, Tom Hollander, and Margot Robbie. So, there he is. Rupert. Rupert? Joanna. Yeah, Joanna's response to it, she says, oh, he's so cute. Yeah, like, it's weird how Joanna... And then, yeah, Rupert, hi guys. Sorry I'm late with my dad. Even from this point, I don't know, the way he says that, is as if he's trying to secretly show off that he's a caring guy. Mm. That, or that it's the movie letting us think he's nice. When that, and that's when they hug him. So I was wondering, is like his dad dying currently? Is this going to be the worst week ever when he also doesn't get a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like he's lost the girlfriend, is it? Like it's just that, yeah, it's just that he didn't get her. Right. So he doesn't know that he's lost anything. Yeah, it would be interesting if, like, if that was, like, an extra subplot that he was going through a really tough time, his dad was dying, he, you know, there was, he, he'd lost his job or something, and then Tim's like, do I go back in time and take Mary away from him? <laughs> At the party, he has to hook up Rupert with someone else first. Well, in theory, sure. I was going to say, he'd never know. <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, Joanna even says, hey, Rupee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Yeah. Maybe she plays a lot of Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> and did we discuss, was this pre-fame for Vanessa Kirby? Uh, I believe it was, yeah. She hadn't done anything big yet. I think this is one of the things that kicked it off, isn't it? Maybe. Alex, I've asked this with a lot, with like every Brit we've had on. What do you think of Donald's British accent? Um, I, I like it. It seems clumsy, which sort of fits his character. Um, it's a bit Hugh Grant, but that's fine for a Richard Curtis film. Well, I, I don't think that it's. Um, I don't think it's an issue. To be fair, to be fair, if I, if I didn't know what his actual, what his true voice was, I think I could quite easily buy buy that accent. Well, I did. Like, I, I, I had no idea he was Irish when I first saw this. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and then I'd seen him in other films where he was American and almost hadn't twigged it afterwards. Mm. And it wasn't until I'd watched interviews about this film, like, probably a couple of months after seeing it, like, his really thick Irish accent shocked me. <laughs> like, so the the idea that he can just hide it like that is incredible. So yeah, so, so Mary says, oh, well, this is Tim. Hi. 
hi, and we don't know him at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rupert says, hey, I was thinking we could take in a film after this, get some mixed popcorn, share a Coke, snuggle. Yeah, I can't figure out, it must just be his delivery, because I can't figure out what's unlikable about him. He just is. I can. Mixed popcorn? Come on. <laughs> I don't... I don't have as much... I mean, I prefer salted popcorn, but I don't have a problem you with it. You prefer salted popcorn? Get out. I'm a, Get yeah, I'm a what, salted what popcorn guy. What is mixed guy. popcorn? Sweet and salted, I assume. Okay. Yeah, I, I, if I ever get popcorn in a movie theater, I always just go, like, basic. You want salt? Some If it's a place that has real butter, maybe a little butter, but I never buy the weird ones. I don't know. I mean, okay, okay, right. <laughs> That's pretty. We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to nail some things down here. And then I call them standard weird. popcorn is sweet. All standard popcorn. Oh, okay. In, See, in when you said sweet, I was thinking like AMC theaters here have these ones where like the popcorn is blue for some reason. I don't even know why. I've never got what? that. Sounds like hamster popcorn. And <laughs> and then they have one where it has like chocolate in with it, like chocolate covered little bits. Ooh. And that one I know is good, but I'd rather get not at a movie, you know. Can we talk about the fact that I've heard that in the States, like one of your, I think, baseball stadiums or something, serves a hot dog with, instead of a bun, candy floss or cotton candy and Mike and Ike sprinkled on top. Oh, nice. Heart attack inducing sounds like America. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yeah. So I think from that point, American opinions on food are invalid. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of a bun, it's donuts. So yeah, we're freaks. Although I've never eaten anything that, any of those weird things. In all fairness, if they did, if if they had it in England and they did a vegetarian version as I am veg, I'd give it a go. (laughs) It'd probably be really weird and horrible, but it might be one of those things that's surprisingly nice. Well, I'll tell you about surprisingly nice foods, food combos that don't traditionally work. Have you ever had giant buttons and just salted Pringles? I mean, I know the answer is going to be no. but No, but that sounds like something I would... As uh, a combination, I tried it once, and that is... Yes, it was, it, was very, it was very good indeed. You can't have too much of it, because otherwise it's going to get very sickly very quickly. One which I had, which probably isn't too weird... Yeah. Is you know those you know those oat biscuits you can get oat biscuits right? yeah like I don't know what you call them they're just like oaty biscuits Bolvita um, Eater? no they're they're like sweet biscuits but they're just oaty I think hang on let me find the name like it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't think oat biscuits what they're called they're not what I'm thinking they are no yeah they are coming up but not oh. There's like a proper brand that do them, and I can't remember. That's really going to bug me. Oh. Can you just name different biscuit brands, and I'll get there eventually. Elvita. Bob's. Red no. It's gluten-free something. Yeah, I'm Kate's. just to think. Rich tea. Right, hang on. I think I know what I'm talking about. Pepperidge Farm. Um, There's one. Right, oh. can I send a picture Portland. into the Skype chat? Yeah, They're literally called OTs. I'll just... In fact, I can screen share, probably, can't yeah, I? Yeah, go on, then. Let's have a look. Let's, let's see if this breaks the site and ruins the build. Oh, screen. Is that screen share? I'm going to press this button. Things could... Yeah, maybe. Nothing happened. Oh, hang on. Yeah, it's because I've got two monitors, so it's getting confused. I'll put on display. I'll, I'll put it on my second monitor. Hang on. Are you guys seeing anything at the moment? I'm seeing Donald Gleason. yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, that was a photo of us. Oh, geez. 
these. Anyone, like, either of you know what I'm talking about here. I sort of do, yes. And I'm trying to think of the name of them. Although they are, there is some... Try try typing in um, McVitie's Oat Biscuits. This is, like, this is going to be fascinating for the listeners. <laughs> McVitie's Hobnobs. Hobnobs! Hobnobs! That's the one. Hobnobs, yeah. How do we not think of them? Wow. How did we... Sorry, we're British, and we forgot I Hobnobs. Know. Oh, like... God, I feel terrible. Poor Hobnobs. <laughs> then again, they are they are not not a staple of my biscuit cupboard, to be honest with you. As soon as they jam... But you know of Hobnobs. Right. So my point was basically, you know of Hobnobs. Mm. Two of them and salted peanuts in the middle. Now that sounds yeah. like an interesting sandwich. <laughs> I can't remember when I tried that. Which I can. I remember trying it whilst watching the whilst listening to the director's commentary on episode one of Torture. I... Why do I remember that detail? <laughs> like... Something else that works is is Ritz and Cadbury's. Sorry, a lot of my combinations involve chocolate. I I am an avid. Yeah, but that's a yeah. thing, isn't it? Like you can get Cadbury's whip, Cadbury's Ritz. Not anymore. <laughs> no, but you could. Like that that was a combination that people knew worked, mm-hmm. like peanut butter and marmite. The the long silence here is making me think that you guys are not endorsers of peanut butter and marmite. I don't I, like it either, but I've also got a peanut. I love peanut butter. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know what mar marmite. Oh, you're, you're talking about British, British foods. Maybe? So I gotta look them up. Yeah, this day. is right. Marmite is like the most British sandwich thing, and you either love it or you hate it. It's horrendous. Vegemite, because I've had Vegemite. I love it, but it, it it's like Vegemite, but a bit better. Okay. I think it just is Vegemite, isn't it? There is a difference. Is the Vegemite's the Australian one? It doesn't taste as good. There, there, there are a lot of debates about this within the Marmite community. <laughs> um, and yeah, I feel sick looking at it. To be honest with you, I really do. I will turn off my screen share. Why? Thank there you. you go. I, I have horrific yeah. memories of Marmite. Someone coming up to me going, "Oh, try this! Oh, it's the best sandwich ever!" And me going, "Oh, all right then." You know, being very trusting as I was as a child. And taking a, a huge mouthful and sort of oh. instantly wanting to throw up. It's it's scummed life. Yeah, but the thing is that yeah, there is very little indifference on Marmite. It is genuinely you love it or you I, hate it. I looked up the difference between Marmite and Vegemite, and this person's description is great. It's, it has nothing to do with what's in it or what's the flavor. Just Vegemite is jet black with a thick texture similar to other pastes like peanut butter, whereas Marmite has more of a burnt brown color and a more syrupy consistency. <laughs> Like, I don't think I want to eat either of those. <laughs> yeah, but the thing with Marmite, yeah, is so many people don't like it, but those of us who love it, there's a lot of stuff out there. You can get Marmite-flavoured cheese. I had a Marmite-flavoured Easter egg once. It was brilliant. You can have <laughs> Marmite Marmite crisps. I had, I've had i had Marmite-flavoured bagels, Marmite rice cakes. Oh, like, Marmite has been banned in Denmark. Marmite ice lollies, maybe? That could work. <laughs> I don't know, wouldn't be surprised. I'm gonna Google that now. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Marmite ice cream. Let's see what this is. Stuff's coming up. Um, I don't think it's real. Like, I don't think it's a legitimate, like, endorsed by Marmite thing, but you can't get Marmite ice cream in some places. Wow. Marmite and blue cheese ice cream. Oh. Oh. I'm not a blue cheese fan. Blue cheese in the right context can be good. Mostly no. But yeah, basically. If it's, um, you know, sort of a burger put into a, yeah. a, a juicy burger or something like that, or, you know, I can take that. 
So to the listeners, welcome to our uh, our now weekly Marmite debate <laughs> segment, where we will have each guest on and get right. Genuinely, right? There's this church which I've been following. I think my dad talked about him, and I followed them on Facebook. Church of Marmite, which is just like a church in Ireland. And this guy, during lockdown, he didn't like Marmite. Then he tried it again, and he's become such a lover of Marmite. He does a a daily like video of him doing trying different Marmite things. It's now called the Marmite Chronicles. He's got T-shirts and merchandise out, and it's just he tries, he tries, you know, Marmite on toast, then Marmite on a sandwich. He'll then try the 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 Marmite flavored peanuts. I know a guy who does Oreo flavor reviews on YouTube. So yeah, I believe that. (laughs) Apparently, you either love or hate his channel. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I, I I can't believe I've talked for so long about Marmite, especially after us just talking about the tangents and how long they are. We're, we're still on Wednesday, right? This is still Wednesday. Yes. Okay. We're near the end. Yep. So, she says, that's, oh, I've confused myself. I put, yeah. So when I draft the picture over, I put it on my other monitor and it, 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 things like that are very easy to confuse me. Right. So, um, he's late because he's with his dad, Rupee. This is Tim. Yeah, taking a film. Fun. Yeah. We've done this. And then he says, Mary says, okay, okay. And Tim says, when does you two meet, exactly? Rupert says, well, it it was only a week, and that's when uh, our minute ends. So what are our overall thoughts on this minute and any final comments? Right now I'm okay with Rupert. Okay. He's nice, maybe too nice, but eh. I don't want him to ruin his life. I, <laughs> is it... I, 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 I'm starting to realise what might have been why you, why you end up hating him. And we'll get into that on Friday. Yeah. So, Alex, what were you going to say? I just think he's a bit too nice. Um, he seems very fake. Um, you know, I'm not... Maybe it's I, the British thing. I can't tell how fake he is. Yes, I think, it, I think it is. I think there's sort of within British culture, there's definitely ways that we as British people uh, put out subtle signals regarding our mood. For example, uh, being slightly irritated at an email, you might change form regards to regards. <laughs> uh, and to an American person, they might, you know, regards sounds nice. the same brush, <laughs> but they might read it and go, "Oh, sweet, he sent regards." Uh, but in 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 British sort of culture, seeing regards at the end of an email is is quite frankly being told to piss off nicely. <laughs> I usually go with warmest regards or warmest of regards, uh, and then as I need to go back through emails you've sent me just to just to see what mood. <laughs> When did he just say regards? <laughs> just, just, just R. <laughs> Not even regards, just, just an R. Um, but yes, or, or there's, you know, there's various different, <laughs> different ways. Um, but I think, I think a lot of um, British men can tell when another guy is is being fake uh, towards somebody. I think it's just an inbuilt, you know, sort of detection system we have. I don't know whether that's because we're exposed to it in, in media on TV where you can, you know, characters are obviously presented in a false light of being, oh, hi, I'm so nice. Yes, I'm very nice. You should like me. Whatever. Do you know what I mean? Alex, it appears you've never sent me, like, a proper email. <laughs> I've only ever asked you to send me files. Well, there you go. <laughs> How exciting. First <laughs> um, so listeners invested in our arc, now they know. <laughs> but yes, I think... Sorry, carry on. I think it depends on the on the uh, the culture 
um, as to whether or not someone can can tell if someone's being fake because the way lines can be performed can of course be changed. I mean, I, I don't know how how much of an overseas release this got and how popular it was in other countries, but a you know uh, someone dubbing in um, someone dubbing in Chinese, for example, might interpret the actor's lines as being oh. Yes, uh, very nice. Okay, so I'm going to say these lines very nicely so it conveys that I'm actually a really nice person. And so I don't know. I, I, I think it can be interpreted culturally, but I do think that he is very fake. 82.4% of the film's gross was international. I don't know whether that's, like, is that good? Opening weekend <laughs> here was number 14 at the box office, which sounds good, but isn't. Yeah, I was going to say that's not... When you think of how well Love Actually and Four Weddings and things did in the States, like, yeah, it's not great. I'm just looking at Home Weekend. It never hit number one. By the looks of things, I might be wrong. If this website's right... Well, I mean, things don't always have right. to hit number one. To... Yeah. Number 13, number 9, number 10, number 13, 20, 20, 22, 23, 29, 35. I mean, many, 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 many appalling films have reached number one. And Shawshank Redemption wasn't successful until it came out on DVD. I mean, and that's the reached number um, one. I feel like top film on number I... one, and that was a, a, an appalling film, so I'm told, that I've just never bothered to watch because apparently it is genuinely that bad. Uh, Wait, I think we've talked about Cats bad? on here. Cats. Oh, I thought you said Shawshank Redemption was. I'm like, whoa. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, Cats, Cats is... If you want to watch Cats, you'll probably be entertained. I think it's better than the stage version, but it's not good. Well, I think it seems watchably bad from what right. I've told. Uh, and this is... I, I must purely stress um, that this is a rumour, I think, um, that apparently they obviously wanted to get it out for the... I think get it out in time for was it the Oscars or, or something, yeah. and yet they they had to rush everything. And apparently, when a someone saw a, an early cut of the film with CGI, they remarked that all the cut, <laughs> all the cats had buttholes. CGI. Well, they look they yes, look like they did, this. yeah, because the way the fur came together. And and basically, they they um, they had to remove said buttholes from every single cat, uh, <laughs> resulting in a the the, the now clearly exists in some sort of vault somewhere or a hard drive, a butthole cut of, uh, of cat. So yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting discussion really as to, yeah, the film just didn't do that well. I, I hadn't really thought about what you said about, yeah, how it's how differently it can be read by different people. So any other concluding remarks before we wrap up this incredibly long Wednesday? No. <laughs> uh, no problem me. <laughs> so Alex, where can the listeners find you on social media? Um, of course, I can be found on Instagram at alexander.westwood. Uh, and I can also be found on Twitter for my sort of thoughts and, and, and blabbing, uh, which is at underscore Alex underscore Westwood, I believe. I really should know my own Twitter handle by now. But uh, I'm... I... At least it's more logical than mine. Mine's just a mess. I mean, that, well, it's, 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 an, it's one people won't forget, <laughs> I hope. I would have changed it if I didn't have it on 500 business cards. <laughs> yeah. And Robert, where can listeners find you? Uh, social media, Robert E.G. Black, or my website, lemmingdrops.com. And listeners can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero, on Instagram at the ginger Luke, on Facebook at Luke Allen Film, 
They can find podcasts, short films, radio appearances, newspaper articles, all at lukealland.co.uk. And this podcast is available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Men's About Time. Are you going to consult my interesting ways to say goodbye website because I forgot to find one? Oh, no, I got one. Okay. So, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you later, alligator. Oh, I knew that was coming. Classic. The fact that I did the hippos one first is a bit weird. And and Alex, <laughs> you are underscore Alexander underscore Westwood. Ah, sweet. You got it right. Yay. <laughs> the Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. <laughs>